crypto is obviously going to come up. How could we not talk about this week? It's probably the most amazing thing that's happened. Mm. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, the China. It seems to be opening back up what that means for the world. Uh, there's been, and there's been some big moves in the precious metals. If the, the uh, gold, silver traders, they, they'll be loving this action. So looks like mm. there's light. So uh, hello, everybody, and uh, welcome to another Trading Insights with FXT. It's currently the 10th of November. Um, we've got myself, Tim Muirhead from Arvidine Capital, and Michael Berman, who's the CEO of FXT. How are you, Michael? Uh, good and you, Tim. It's, I say it every week, but it's been a... It's been a big week. This has been a big, oh, big week. It's, uh, it's been like, you just think, uh, is it safe to go back in the water? And all of a sudden something comes from left field. But it, look, it's been pretty crazy, amazing stuff going on in the crypto space. I guess I'll just start off with a um, yeah. a bit of an overview, Michael. I mean, <laughs> but uh, what, what can you say other than it's been extremely volatile? So... Uh, look, we're sitting here, it's Thursday evening, uh, we've got the CPI number out tonight, obviously the market's going to be watching closely uh, for that. And look, it's been a case of, um, you know, look, we had Jay Powell at the FOMC last week talking about being very tough on rates. Look, this has obviously thrown the cat amongst the pigeon with um, equities, so the NASDAQ and uh the S&P 500, look, they've been really struggling. We're getting some really quite choppy price action. And uh, just look, when things start looking good, uh, you know, you can just get like a 2% down night as we saw last night. Um, what we're really watching closely, I guess, is it certainly looks like uh, we are seeing topping signs in the bond market. This is the US bond market. Uh, so it's even from the twos to the tens to out to the 30 year, it looks like we're getting uh, those rates are starting to slow down. And look, it's a case of um, you don't always believe what they say rather than what they've uh, written. And one takeaway with the FOMC last last week was that, um, look, the committee prepared the statement. They've obviously spent a lot of time on the, sp the statement. And what they said was they were going to wait and see what, you know, the interest rate hikes are going to mean to the market and then power came out and said something slightly different but if you if you sort of take that away it certainly does seem like they're they're more likely to start doing some sort of smaller rate hikes going forward the market's sort of trying to sniff this out at the moment we've seen some real big i guess um moves in the us dollar index and again it's, it's sometimes it feels like it's all the one trade at the moment so the US dollar index, which has just been powering higher over the sort of last sort of six months. That also looks like it's starting to top out a bit. And if that does come off, I think we're going to get some really positive price action in the precious metal space. Gold sort of has broken a big downtrend now, starting to get some you know big moves coming out of it. Silver's looking good. We've seen platinum and palladium looking okay. The, you know, and then the miners, you know, the uh, Index of miners have been doing doing well, so uh, it looks like a lot of money is coming out of this this tech stock. You know, a lot of overpriced tech. It's starting to look for value. It's been going into the Dow Jones, which is traditionally the uh, I guess the value plays, and um, look also in these miners. But look, pretty wild, Mike, and I, I worry that by the time this thing goes out to our audience, you know, everything's going to change. Um, <laughs> And look, we are going to talk about in the, in the next section, but what's yeah. happening in crypto is just amazing. And obviously, yeah. uh, this is a bit of negative sentiment, I guess, for risk assets in general. 
Uh, and, and we should also mention that, look, uh, I guess the elections in the US, there was talk of a red wave. It looks yeah. like it's coming a lot closer than that. And uh, look, I, I wasn't actually sure how that was going to affect uh, markets. I guess if you got uh, the red wave, that was sort of, I guess, locked the parliament down. They couldn't get anything through, uh, whether that was bullish yeah. or bearish. I didn't really have a strong view, but uh, certainly interesting times, Michael. What, what are your yeah, thoughts? Yeah. Just on, on that... Um midterm elections and I also don't know how I, I to be honest with you I know that a month or five weeks ago it was it was all Democrat then and this complete shift as markets started to sell off a bit and inflation worries were taking over there was a the polls said it was going to be a red wave and it didn't materialize and I, I think what's going to happen uh, I, I mean just talking is that if there's gridlock in in Washington because the House and the Senate don't you know are, are, are in different parties and and the, the the president is is Democrat, then a lot of the initiatives they're going to try and be putting forward are probably going to be hampered and, and there'll be all this bipartisanship. So it's going to be difficult to get things um, done over the next two years. And I think everyone's going to be then focused on the next election and who that's going to be. And, and that's, that's a whole world in its own. And I'm no political expert. So I, I think all I can say will just add to our volatility. But I, I was thinking um, when, you know, I, I typically give my market wrap with the navigator and I'm going to do just that. And I'll tell you something. What, what I've, what I, I've had a very busy, let's say, last 10 days on the, um, my, my day job is running fxtrading.com and, and there's been a lot going on. But of course, I'm very close to the markets. And, and But what I love about the Navigator and wearing my salesman hat here, but I'm wearing actually a genuine hat when I say this, is that even if you haven't had a chance to be following the markets all the time, you can just look at this and get a very quick sense of what's going on and sound hopefully rather intelligent or, or in plugged in. So I'll just, I, I, we've actually got this fixed. It's refreshing too quickly. So it's given blinking, which is a bit annoying. Um, a new version next week will we'll have that out. But you can see, I, I always focus on the month to date. Um, silver's shot up, yeah, 10% up for the month. Um, Hong Kong, uh, Hang Seng's up big, 8.6%, alongside with China. I think getting getting those um, the new elections out of the way or the, the, the Communist Party's fifth, what, what they, those five-year meetings out of the way. But if I, if I have to look on the on the downside, um, why is it not showing me? Okay, I'm going to take this off because it's getting it's it's getting sorted onto the next page, but I'll just do it the other way around. Look at Ethereum this month and Bitcoin down 24% and 17.5% respectively. So it's it's a bit of a bloodbath there. And then also if I look at our symbol, US tech is the NASDAQ. So it's down 5% for the month and US stocks is down um what did I say? The, the US 500, the S&P 500 down 3, 3%. I also look at the price journey and I, I'm leaving these on for 
the year to date. So I, I like to look at this. The, I've broken it down into two um, just because it was a little bit busy to see them all on one, but you can if you want. So these are the currencies, and I've included a, alongside the currencies gold and silver. What's interesting is um, gold has had a bit of a bid in the last couple of days, but you can see we're still off 6.8% year-to-date. So it, the, the, the recent rally is just but a blip at the moment on this chart. What you can see here on the top side here has been the yen. When it, when it goes up, it's actually the yen weakening. And, I mean, at its high point, I think it was over 30% it weakened um, against the U.S. dollar. It's currently um, strengthened a little bit um, the last week or two. If I just look at some of the other assets, these are Bitcoin and uh, I've got Brent here. This is Brent on the top here. Interesting how it had shot up close to 70% in the front half of the year and has has sold off um, significantly since. We've now had a bit of a, a rally in, in energy prices the last couple of weeks. Um, what else can I highlight here? The, the NASDAQ, not the NASDAQ, this is, sorry, this is Ethereum at the bottom here. I, I was getting excited. I thought it was the, the, the Nikkei, I thought was this one, but it's not. So anyway, there, there you have it. Um, it uh, Actually, just one thing I'd show you, uh, which is interesting. This is the Bitcoin price, and this is our oscillator. And we only got, but for the briefest of moments, did we get a... And over, you can just see we only touched on um, getting a signal for oversold um, over here, which just tells you how big the moves. The fact that we didn't really get a true decent signal, because um, if I go here, I'll show you on the oscillators, it doesn't. Oversold is showing me coffee, no, but, but not, but not, um, not BTC. We. So it had a br the briefest and briefest of signals. And all I can deduce from that, sorry, the wrong chart, all I can deduce from that is that Bitcoin does big moves. And this by its global standards or its history is not that big. Having said that, it's massive. And we're going to talk about that shortly. So uh, I'll stop there. Yeah, all right. And look, before we get on to crypto, uh, we're going to talk about China. And um, as you've seen that the um, Hang Seng and the CSI 300, that's like one of the main Chinese indexes, has been up sharply over the last week. And I guess we've got to put a bit of perspective in, in it. Um, so what happened with China was, look, when COVID first, uh, I guess, started tra travelling around the world, uh, we saw the Chinese locking down pretty hard and there was look, even reports, you know, on YouTube showing uh, buildings getting welded up and people locked in their homes. And meanwhile, the rest of the world were uh, uh, sort of not doing anything. We had Donald Trump famously saying it's nothing, it's going to go away by itself. Uh, and really the rest of the world just let it spread and become endemic while China essentially looked like they had got through it or they, they were opening up way faster than everyone else. So we've had zero cases and looking really good. Now, the problem has been, though, that uh, they really, they, they're in a situation now there's, there's, because not many people have had it, they have no herd immunity. They have a vaccine, which I think 
uh, I don't want to. I have to say this delicately. Doesn't really work as well as the, uh, I guess, the Western vaccines. And plus, there's political reasons why they don't want to use any uh, the Western vaccines. So they're sort of stuck now with a situation where um, every time COVID shows up, they want to lock people down. They can't really. Uh, I they're in a situation where they either got to choose to sort of let it run or they're going to be forced into these lockdowns. Now, there's been, a, I guess, a, a lot of, uh, you know, you've got people locked down. Why are they locked down? They're, they're not consuming. They're not making stuff. It's been affecting their con economy pretty negatively. We've seen that, you know, the main the indexes falling pretty sharply. But then last week we've seen signs that there's, a, you know, reopening. They're talking about reopening Macau. Uh, and look, I, I think you'd have to say, Michael, it's inevitable that they will reopen. Yes. Um, and the market's certainly jumping onto that. And look, we're seeing, um, you know, big, big jumps in their indexes. And I think more positively, positively for places like Australia, look, we're a commodities producing company. You know, Chinese loves to consume commodities. And look, it's going to be good for our, our miners, good for the Australian dollar. And uh, certainly, I think it's going to, you know, put a, a floor in the oil price. I'm actually quite bullish on the, um, the the oil price going forward, especially next year when the SPR drawdown stops. Uh, we'll definitely, you know, hopefully we'll have China opening. Um, but look, it's been, uh, you know, pretty amazing what's going on over there. Uh, certainly, a lot of opportunities to. Uh, Trade. But look, in the context of uh, volatility, you know, you're seeing massive moves in these these Chinese indexes. But look, uh, it's just a, a, like another day when uh, looking at what everything else going on around the world. Uh, I'd I'd be interested to hear like the what the actual game plan is with China and and their COVID zero policies because I assume they're just trying to roll out their vaccine and then they'll open up, but. You know, that, that's not well conveyed in the media because, well, in the Western media, we're not hearing much about them saying, look, we're going to have 65% of the total population vaccinated by December. And the, you, we, we're hearing nothing. So it's, for me, it sounds like, seems like such a nonsensical policy that it's just being held in place now to save face because, um, you know, President Xi said that it needs to, we're going to have a COVID zero policy and that's what we're sticking with. And he doesn't want to buckle on that and be seen to be weak and being influenced. But it makes no sense to me. The world has opened up and, you know, I was traveling interstate this week, this weekend. And I, just because my wife asked me, I wore a mask, but no one wore a mask. And, and so COVID is non-existent i mean it's it's existent but it's it's not there but just speaking of china there was um some earlier in the week they came out with some inflation sorry some cpi numbers that were below expectations and reading the mainstream press bloomberg wall street journal and stuff like afr over the last let's say two three days I, i'm quite shocked to hear them talking deflation so they are, you know, it's not something that just came up with out of out of thin air. They're, they're genuinely talking of a deflationary environment within China, which is very interesting. And I think on the back of, partly it's on the back of the fact that their real estate or their property market is under threat. 
And I think it's a bigger problem um, than we we realize. Certainly, I'm told that it's something, it's in the order of like seven times the size of, potentially seven times the size of the subprime crisis. So it's it's a big overhang that, that needs to be dealt with. The other thing that I think is likely to happen with China opening up is, is that they're going to produce more and more stuff and they're going to sell it to the, the world. And I think jobs outside of China are going to, uh, because China's currency is devalued, so it, it's it's cheaper, it's cheaper to, to with the, and certainly from America's side, with their strong dollar, that it'll be cheaper to buy the stuff from China than do it, manufacture it locally. So um, that just brings in that whole question of inflation, like is, is the top end or, and you know, I've been very, I've been persistently calling that inflation is going to be around for a lot longer than than what most people think, and I think I still stick with that. But I, I thought it might peak only in a couple of years' time, or in a year or two's time. But now with crypto, and I know we're going to talk about it maybe separately, but 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 I can't not say it. Like with what's going on. I mean, we have every opportunity that this could turn into a contagion of sorts when we see what the knock-on consequences are, uh, what's the fallout of of FTX. And make note of that. It's not FXT, it's FTX. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's right. I was it in my head. I was <laughs> yes. I was right. I made the same mistake, Michael. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. No, it, look, it's certainly amazing. I mean, yeah, look, I, again, China's one of the, it's um, it's a little bit opaque to us Westerners too, I guess. Uh, yeah. But uh, look, certainly they've had their issues at the moment. I guess too, look, um, you know, if you keep people locked up, it's certainly deflationary. They can't really uh, spend. Uh, yeah. So, but uh, look, I take what you said about housing. It's uh, it's a pretty amazing. I know there's a uh, talk that their, their currency might be, you know, overvalued, uh, but look, it's, it's not really freely uh, tradable, yeah, so uh, we don't really know. But uh, you know, really interesting. I guess on that, Michael. I think should we get on to this whole crypto space? I think yeah, that's let's what talk, our let's listeners want. Let's talk yeah. crypto. Do, do, do you want to start, or would you like me to uh, give a summary, or what would you? Uh, how would you? you? You can give a summary, and I, I've got one or two angles I can add. Yeah, from. yeah, sure. Okay, so look, I guess um, let's just. Um, we were, look, we talk about crypto most weeks and look, there was a while, probably look several months ago where crypto, we were saying it was like the barometer of, of risk, you know, crypto would have a good day and markets would tend to follow. Um, and then we saw, you know, crypto being sold off and the markets were weak. And then we got this uh, quite a decent bounce in the equity markets sort of starting in July that went on for a couple of months. And at the same time, crypto sort of started to flatline and yeah. And as we even said last week, I mean, what was the most exciting thing in crypto? I think we said it was Dogcoin or Dogecoin because yeah. everything, you know, Bitcoin was going sideways, Ethereum hardly moving, Solana and basically, you know, wasn't doing much. And, um, you know, it wasn't really, I guess, something we were looking at, at actively trading just because there were so many other things that were moving faster. But um, look, this week, it's just been a case of... Uh, I guess a story of over leverage and, you know, what happens, 
Uh, risk happens fast, and look, it, it, it really comes down to um, FTX and Binance. And, and look, I guess um, I'll use an analogy. I'm going to steal it from Lynn, Lynn Aldrin, who, who's, who summarized it pretty well. But basically what was happening was that um, FTX was uh, creating a, their own coin, their own token. I think it was to there to share in the, in the profits. Uh, they had a whole bunch of this coin on their balance sheet. That also, like, um, given an out into the market, it was trading with a price. But then what they did is with all this coin on their balance sheet, sheet they were using it as collateral for loans. And she equated it like, um, imagine if McDonald's created this fake money <laughs> and then they used this fake money to, um, to sorry, that was my phone. They used this fake money to, um, you know, to, to, to buy stuff and take loans out with. And then one, one of the uh, you know, other participants in the market reminded the market that actually this money was fake. And by the way, they were going to sell all their fake money. And this is essentially what Binance has done. done. They decided to liquidate all their holdings of their coin. It's just created a, a collapse, I guess, or, or a bank run. And um, look, I think um, they've just been, they've been caught short. I think that the, the news now is that they're short eight billion dollars. Yeah. Uh, it looks like a poor old uh, uh, what's his name? I'm sorry, I haven't met. Freed. That's the one. He's now currently he's gone from uh, worth twenty billion dollars to to bankrupt uh, literally yeah. in three days, which is quite phenomenal. And um, look, I mean, you know, crypto. It's always been the wild west out there. I think. Look, this is probably a, another pretty big shock. Uh, people say this has got to be the end of it, but I say to people, well, guys, look, we still haven't got to the bottom of the whole tether, tether mess. Perhaps yeah. there's one more. So, look, and maybe it's not over. Maybe it is. Just understand what you're trading. Understand your risks. And, look, you know, I mean, it's been incredible, Mike. I'd love to hear your views. Yeah. So I, I, I want to talk about my investment view. I mustn't forget this, but I'll start with um, – this a whole FTX story and just my encounter with it. So I, I never actually traded on the exchange, on the FTT, um, FTX exchange. I did open an account, but I never deposited any money. But I was always intrigued by the fact that this young kid from nowhere became this uber multi-billionaire and... I didn't fully buy the story that he's this, well, I did initially, that he's given it all away. And that, that was two years ago, let's say 18 months ago, he became super rich, a billionaire. And then everyone was starting to write articles about him that he's going to give it all away. And he's living in the Bahamas in a commune with a bunch of his workmates. And he drives a Datsun or a Toyota Corolla or something like that. Um, Sleeps on a beanbag, yeah. That's yeah, it. sleeps on a beanbag. It's great, like Mark Zuckerberg also coded till four in the morning and then got up at five and slept under his desk. He probably did that one or two nights. I'm not saying he did it. He did it a bit. He slept in the beanbag a few times. Great for journalism and for reader, you know, reading consumption. But I didn't like his evangelist type. He, this so-called nerd actually became a 
quite a big egomaniac in my opinion. Just he he loved 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 all the media attention, and that he was a wunderkind and a maths genius. And you know, I know he's got two parents. Both parents are professors, and he's probably super smart. Make no mistake, take him nothing away from him. But yeah, he started playing the. He was the Democrats' largest donor, one of the largest donors. He was courting Congress, all those kind of things. Um, it just, it smelt a little bit to me. Now, what I'm going to say now is unproven and probably is is just a supposition. It's the rumors that are going around. But this, the, the, the Department of Justice in the U.S., along with the SEC, are investigating and have been Glassnode, which is a really good on-chain analytical site, uh, I watched their video today. It came out a couple of hours ago, where they they kind of took the the wallets of Binance, Alameda, which is the the private arm of Sam Bankman-Fried. It's his own company. It's a it's a trading market making company. And then there's FTX. And they were able to piece all the flows together. So basically, there was a circle. Uh, it's quite. It's actually staggering, and the the sum involved was around about four point nine, call it five billion dollars, which is the which was the market cap of FTT, which is the token that caused this whole big run. But the point I'm just trying to make here is there was the circular flow, and Alameda was always in the middle. So money would go from Binance to Alameda to FTX, from FTX to Alameda to Binance. And Alameda was the intermediary, probably getting a clip on everything. But it, it there, there is no doubt in my mind, we, oh wait, disclaimer, this is me just um, saying that there was a blurring of funds between FTX and Alameda. The, the one, they were basically moving money as if it was one pot. And that was not a, that's not cool. And we're probably going to find that there was not clear adherence to segregation and all those kind of things that the market or the, the players that had invested in these guys had in mind. So Sequoia Capital, every big name has been hit with this FTX because they wanted to be a part of this crypto when it was going hot. And they, this was the shiniest um, toy that they could play with. And they all got in. And Sam Bankman-Fried is obviously a great salesman. And he took them along um, for the ride and he got them on board. But coming back to what is the knock-on consequences of all of this, because this is bad for the crypto yeah. industry. Um, it's it's going to knock it back significantly because there's no trust. I spoke to a few hedge fund managers who are managing crypto funds. Um, most have been touched by this because they've got some yield farming tokens that were sitting with with. Yeah, they probably never see that money again. So then comes the question of confidence. Who can you trust? Binance is the biggest player in town, but does that mean Binance can't go bankrupt? It's possible. So you just don't know. It's so opaque. You don't have regulation. And mm. and the very thing that these guys were trying to bring their army of followers with was that forget regulation. That's dinosaurs. You don't need guys in suits and uh, bureaucrats telling you how you can manage your own money. 
But now you're playing in the Wild West where you actually don't know what's going on. And and maybe some form of regulation is actually required. By the way, Bankman Fried was actually looking for some, he was trying to promote some regulation, which is kind of, if he was doing something naughty, then that's in, that's insane. Like, maybe that's the best ruse. You, you show everyone that you're trying to make it fully regulated, etc. But meanwhile, back at the ranch, it's not so, you know, it's not so clean. But but where does this leave Bitcoin? Because I think that's the that's the one that really counts, I guess. Um, blockchain will be around. It's got a it's got a service, it's got a function. The value of the blockchains will probably, you know, the, I don't know what the value should be. There the market will figure it out based on the value that they get out of these blockchains. So w- when they produce these protocols, when they produce value to users, and they actually been they are u- real live use cases. It'll figure out its value. But let's talk crypto. Uh, let's talk Bitcoin because Bitcoin was electronic gold, and we've been speaking on this. Like we inflation's been running. We've been bullish gold, and we've been talking it up. And well, I certainly have, and thinking that it should go, and it hasn't, but it recently did. And I was also. The only thing holding me back from being very bullish on Bitcoin, and I've said I've nibbled a bit, which is true, I'd been, was the fact that it was in this like sideways range for a month or two. It worried me a bit that it, you, you, you don't normally see bottoms that are like sideways. You normally see a sell-off, and so the, the my my forecasts at the moment are, we now get in the hate and the despair. And this is the kind of sentiment that is typically fam- familiar with bottoms, but it requires balls of steel to um, to buy in at this at this stage because the market has taken a beating. The confidence is really hammered. So we sit in yeah. around sixteen thousand. You know, maybe it's going to be ten or eight thousand where it finds a level and. My gosh, I was going to do before this podcast, I was going to check on MicroStrategy. The, the biggest evangelist of them all was uh, was Michael Saylor. And I actually don't know what the share price um, was, what it did last night. But I think it was down 20% or something like that in that order of magnitude. I, I, I suspect that company is going to go bankrupt because mm-hmm. it, it borrowed a significant amount of money to buy Bitcoin. So... They, they must be, I thought the, the magic number was 19,000, to be honest with you, or 18,000. It's probably around 16,000. I think I think MicroStrategy, I'll do my research for next week, but our rate, it's probably teetering on bankruptcy. Okay. Yeah, well, I was going to say, JP Morgan once famously said, uh, gold is money, everything else is credit. And look, I think, I guess one of the, I get positive takeaways from this, look, we've always known that uh, crypto has been the wildest, wild west. It's going to go through these, you know, tumultuous times. Who knows what's going to, who's going to be, you know, surviving. But look, from the uh, from the tech wreck, what we found out was, look, some of the, the big names like Amazon that did survive, they were down 95%, you know, from peak to trough before they, they emerged. You know, you've got to, as you said, you need balls of steel. But uh, yeah. I just want to, I know we're running a little short on time now, but look, one of the positives, just gold, starting to get a bit of a bid recently, technically is looking a bit better. And I think there's probably going to be some people thinking, you know what, 
I actually, I actually want something that I can touch and feel and uh, look at and, and doesn't just get stolen from my, you know, wallet or whatever. I think yep. it, uh, it might come back. So, look, probably positive for the precious metal space. Absolutely agree with your points you made, Mike. That was a, a great summary. <laughs> Amazing, yeah. isn't it? Good luck. Hang on. <laughs> yeah. And I guess that, that's uh, that's probably enough time for this uh, one. Where I'm getting signal, we're over time. So yeah. thanks very much, everyone, for watching our, our podcast again. If you've got any questions, please uh, leave them in the comments below. Uh, we've had Michael Berman, who's the CEO of FXT, and myself, Tim Newerhead. I'm from Arvindine Capital, and uh, appreciate you watching. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, Tim. Thanks, everyone. Take thanks, care. Michael. Right. See you guys.